Pastor Xavier Reese reveals the fatal flaw in high-tech thinking. The plight of man regarding his wisdom is so evident in our world as we live in a high-tech age of today. In fact, Paul the Apostle, writing to the Corinthians 2, 6-8, said that man in his own wisdom is not wise enough to conclude that Jesus was God. The thing that the believer can glory in is in who God is. That's what we glory in. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Does the axe raise itself above him who swings it? Or the saw boast against him who uses it? As if a rod were to wield him who lifts it up, or a club brandish him who is not wood. Isaiah 10.15 is a familiar caution against a haughty spirit. Make no mistake, the God of the Bible is a sovereign God. However, in today's Simple Truth study, Pastor Xavier turns to the book of Jeremiah to illustrate that there is in fact bragging that honors God. For as it is written, Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 through 26. And the message entitled, The Only Legitimate Bragging Rights. <laughs> Jeremiah's lamentation, again, provides for us here the only grounds for boasting that God honors regarding deliverance from the judgment to come. The particulars that the Lord does not like men to boast in are three. Yahweh does not like anyone to attribute recognition to anything or anyone for their dependency, trust, or success in life except for himself. He shares glory with no one. The word glory simply means to boast or praise. Hallel. You get the Hallel Psalms. The word is repeated, notice, three times for the three particular things Yahweh does not allow man to boast in. The first being, Yahweh says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. He wants you to come to him and he will give you insight into the word of God. For when you depend upon God, your mind is the brightest. And has the greatest potential to be the wisest. When you lean to your own understanding, you seek out your own destruction. Notice, secondly, Yahweh says, let not the mighty man glory in his might. And the word might there means strength, ability of influence. And the mighty man refers to the person of significant standing in the community. Be it in family, or in wealth, or accomplishments, military prowess, or other measures of success. Thirdly, here that... Yahweh says, let not the rich man boast in his riches. And there's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, Paul tells Timothy. No man is to glory in his wisdom, strength, or riches. For the simple reason that these cannot deliver a man in the day of God's judgment. And that's why Paul tells Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6.17 Enjoy your house. Enjoy your car. Enjoy the clothes you have. Enjoy what, what God gives you. But don't put your trust in it. And hold it real loose in case the Lord takes it from you. Not like that baby that mommy wants to take the rattle out of its fingers. It's turning white. And they're screaming. Because I have never found God to take anything from me. But which he's given me something much better.
Never. Jeremiah revealed that Yahweh does not honor boasting and wisdom, might, or riches for deliverance from judgment to come. He doesn't honor that. Notice secondly here. Jeremiah reveals the boasting Yahweh does honor. This is the positive side. Verse 24. First, the one who glories or boasts is to do so in the fact that he understands and knows me, Yahweh. There's something to boast about. Now, how often do we say, hey, we boast about who we know. Oh, yeah, I know John Smith. I know. You know, we want to impress people who we know. I mean, have you ever gotten to tell people, you know who I know? Who? I know the God of the universe. Pretty heavy, isn't it? I mean, do you boast about that? Man. The reference to understanding is to prudence, insight. Comprehension of Yahweh's person and the reasons for his judgments against Judah. So we can see God work, we can see things happen, and we don't get bitter at God. We, oh, how could God allow that? I know He's holy. I know who He is. So I can understand why He does some of the things He does or allows some of the things He allows. I just say, Amen. I don't become bitter, I don't become His opponent. The compliment is to know. Here's a compliment. From understand to know. It means to perceive. To recognize for oneself the dealings and the works of God. I know. I know how my God works. I don't always know how He's going to work, but I know the ways of my God. The two words indicate one who is in a covenant relationship to Yahweh. In the right standing and righteousness. Because I've come the way he's, he's, he's provided. And I'm in a right relationship based on His grace. And I have His word and I have His revelation. And I can know Him that way. Notice secondly there in verse 24 there. That the one who glories or boasts is to do so in the character of the Lord. Okay? That's what we're boasting in. That He is Lord. All capital letters. The covenant name Yahweh. The true and living God in contrast to the dead idols that he's going to begin to talk about in chapter 10. The one who delivered them from Egypt, which now they're trusting for. The one who was bringing judgment upon them for their sin. It is he. And notice that he is one who exercised loving kindness. That's what we boast in. That our God is so loving. Our God is so incredibly kind. The word is hesed. It's an Old Testament covenant word. Identifying the people with Yahweh. A good translation is steadfast love. Stick to itness. He's committed. He's faithful. He's loyal. He is tender with his people. That's what he wants to display. That's what he wants to exercise. Also, that he is one who exercises judgment. Mispah is the word in the Hebrew. The word refers to the justice of Yahweh regarding all matters. In fact, it's a key word to many of the, the minor prophets and the, and the major prophets. Uh, the book of Amos. There was a lot of social injustices going on. And he cries out for justice at the gate. This is the word. He cannot make a mistake nor judge impartially. His judgments are unto perfection. Why? Because he is directed by 
His holiness. He's all-knowing, He's all-present, He's all-powerful, but His holiness dictates His inability to make a mistake and to be partial at any time. So whenever I look at something and I, and I, and I, I perhaps conclude, well, you know, that doesn't sound too fair. I know somewhere I'm, I'm missing something. If God has done it, then it's absolutely perfect. He cannot violate His own holiness. That's why He crucified His Son. He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in Him. And so it cost Him. Because He's so holy, sin literally had to be paid for. And the only way it would be paid for by a perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice there was, was His Son. And He loved us so much that He crucified His Son. So He didn't wink at our sin. He paid the price for our sin. And He upheld His holiness in absolute perfect justice. And loving kindness. That we might obtain righteousness. And this is the thing that he says, lastly. That he is one who exercises righteousness. Listen, in the earth. Dealing with man. The failure has always been on man's part from the beginning. Once sin entered in, man is unrighteous with each other. Jesus gave the parable of the Good Samaritan. Dealing unrighteously with one another. In fact, Paul quotes this verse to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians one thirty one. He says, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Because you know the Corinthians were all puffed up and they depended on that wisdom. They were Greeks. And they were always in competition with Athens. Athens was the epitome of philosophy and wisdom of the Greeks. And Paul went to Athens and preached. And, and all the uh, men of the era, Akabai, there in the Mars Hills and everything, they said, well, let's, let's listen to what the seed picker is going to say. <laughs> Because the gospel is not attractive to the wisdom of the world. It puts limits on us. It puts limits on my sin. It puts limits on my own self-esteem. It puts limits on my freedom that I think I deserve. So to the natural mind, to the natural wisdom, the gospel is a hindrance to his life. More than a benefit. So these are preferred in in sharp contrast to glorying in wisdom, might, and riches. This is what God prefers. Here's the contrast. Wisdom, might, riches. Loving kindness, judgment, righteousness. Here's the contrast. Notice thirdly that he says that the one who glories or boasts is to do so knowing that in the exercise of these three, listen, Yahweh delights. He just, this is his focus. The word simply means has pleasure in. The very heart of Yahweh was in forgiving and blessing his people. He delights in doing good for his people. You really have to work hard to get to hell. But if you're stubborn enough, and you're disciplined enough and consistent enough, you will get there. You've got to do despite of the Spirit of grace. You've got to trod underfoot the blood of the Son of Man. And you've got to say no, no, no to the day that you die, to the gospel. And when your last breath expires, you'll enter eternity separated from God. But you've got to work hard 
These were the very same things Yahweh was looking for in his people. But he found the opposite. They were not being loving and kind to one another. They were not exercising judgment at the gate. They were not being righteous towards one another. This is the expression of his own mind by the phrase, says the Lord. He's the one speaking. The pride of man regarding his wisdom is so evident in our world as we live in a high-take age of today. Men are wise to understand evil. They are wise to understand deception and how to deceive. They are wise to understand the wisdom of the age and make it work for themselves. In fact, Paul the Apostle, writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2, 6-8, said that man in his own wisdom is not wise enough to conclude that Jesus was God. He says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the people in the days of Jesus could have looked at Jesus and said, oh, 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 don't touch him, he's God, they wouldn't have crucified him. If they could conclude by their own mind, by looking at Jesus and His works and His miracles and say, yep, that's God, they wouldn't have crucified Him. What idiot would do that? Through the wisdom of the world, they said, He's not God, let's kill Him. Through the wisdom from above, others said, You're God. Forgive me for my sins. There's the contrast. There's the distinction. The thing that the believer can glory in is in who God is and what He is willing to do if we are willing to turn to Him and let Him work. That's what we glory in. He is faithful to His Word. If I repent, He forgives me. If I don't repent, He can't forgive me. He's a God of judgment to perfection. No one will ever get a raw deal. He loves righteousness and to impart that to man so he has the best and the blessing of God. This is what he desires. He wants to bless your life, bless my life. But I have to lean upon him. The correct message that every believer can and must give to the world is that God delights in working on man's behalf. To have him experience life to the fullest. Because the message sometimes is so confused. And some Christians think that God just wants to take away all their fun. And the questions become, well, how far can I go? What can I do? Or get away with it and still be a Christian? Our heart gives us away. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly in John 10.10. He said, abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing in John 15.4. James tells us if we lack wisdom, let a mask of God, James 1.5. He doesn't turn us away. Jeremiah revealed that Yahweh only honors boasting in Him. That one understands and knows Him who exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. In these He delights. 
This is what he honors. And notice lastly, Jeremiah reveals that boasting apart from Yahweh ends in dishonor. It ends in dishonor. Look at verse 25 and 26. Verse 25, the Lord would make no distinction between the Jew or Gentile in punishment. The proclamation is one of warning for all to hear the certain judgment to come. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. And the word days is yom. It can be used to describe a day as opposed to night, a 24-hour day, or a period in general time. The context will always determine what it is saying and how it's being used. The context in our text refers to a period, a general period of time, as Judah would be taken into captivity in its final siege of 586 B.C. Not long ahead, they would be punished. The proclamation was that Yahweh would punish the circumcision, notice, with the uncircumcision together. And so the uncircumcision, as you know, is speaking about the Gentiles. The circumcision is speaking about the Jew. So the Lord has given to Abraham that right back in Genesis 17, remember? It was right after he had had a kid with Hagar 13 years before, trying to produce it in his own flesh. And then God comes back and says, I want you to get circumcised, everybody in your household. This is the seal of the covenant. I will do it. And Paul the Apostle in Romans 4.3 says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed God was going to fulfill it. He depended, he trusted, he boasted in God. Now, the descendants of Abraham were not boasting in God. They were boasting in themselves. So he treats them as one who is uncircumcised. The implication is clear. Their circumcision has become null and void in view of their disobedience, even as Paul declares to the Romans in Romans 2.25-29 that if there were Jews and they were circumcised, but they were living in their own flesh and not according to Jesus Christ, then their circumcision would be seen as uncircumcision. And yet the Gentiles who were uncircumcised, if they were obeying Jesus Christ and coming to Jesus Christ, then God would see their uncircumcision as circumcision. So God again looks where? He looks to the heart, to the intent. And He's going to get to that. Now, Jeremiah is going to deal with it more and more as he moves on in his book. Uh, but it's almost the same thing as he did in, in, in the temple in chapter 7, right? They were dependent upon this right. Well, we have the seal of the covenant. Just like they said, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Well, the temple's not going to save you. The circumcision's not going to save you if you're not living the way God wants you to. And so secondly, notice in verse 26, the Lord included the nation of Israel. Among what? The Gentiles to be punished. Notice first, the nations mentioned were the constant enemies of the Jews. The nation of Egypt is always a type of the world in the scriptures. The nation of Edom is the descendants of Esau, a type of the flesh that can obtain no blessing from God. The nation of Ammon and Moab were the result of the incestuous relationship between Lot and his two carnal daughters, self-will and carnality. But notice, Judah is between Egypt and Edom, between the world and the flesh, living like those who did not know Yahweh. So what does God do? He names them among the non-believers. He does the same in the book of Amos. Read the first chapters. 
The judgment of the nations. And he includes his people. Why? Because they were living just like the other nations. The judgment is inescapable by the phrase, and all who are in the farthest corners who dwell in the wilderness. In other words, no one will escape. Modern language today, you can run, but you can't hide. It's going to be complete. And notice he gives us the reason for their punishment to come. It's stated very, very clear. All these nations were uncircumcised in the heart. The interesting thing is that these nations did practice circumcision. All these nations listed here at one time or another. But they did not have the covenant promise of God. They also were not living according to the standard of Yahweh. So people can walk around and say, I know the Lord, but if they're not living, that doesn't make them a Christian. They can go to church and say, I'm a Christian, but if they're not living, it doesn't make them a Christian. They can put stickers on their car, say, I'm a Christian, but if they're not living, it doesn't make them a Christian. All these snares get every generation on whatever level. The principles are here. All the house of Israel were uncircumcised in the heart. Their hearts became hard, rebellious against God and His authority over them. Their hearts became self-willed and seeking their own pleasure. And this sometimes happens in people's lives. And people say, how in the world did they get there? One step at a time. Their hearts became the mark of their judgment. He's already spoken about it in Jeremiah 4.4. Circumcise the stiff necklace of your foreskin. It's back in Deuteronomy 16.10. God's always interested in the heart. Not simply a ritual, not something exterior. He'll deal with the wickedness of the heart in Jeremiah 17.9. The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked above all things. Only God knows it. The heart. One day all will stand before the white throne judgment seat of Christ. Or not the judgment seat of Christ, but the white throne judgment for the non-believer. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 12. And the books will be opened and everyone will have to give an account according to the books. Thank God my sins are forgiven. Uh, the only type of heart that God honors or mark is that of a circumcised heart. No judgment comes upon us. Listen to what Paul says about that in Colossians 2.11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision without hands. By putting the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So it's through him. He tells the Philippians 3.3. 3, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoicing in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And that's why he told the Galatians in Galatians 6.15. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Are you a new creation? Is your heart circumcised? Keep it there. Jeremiah reveals that boasting apart from Yahweh ends in dishonor. And so in the middle of Jeremiah's lamentation, he has provided us the only grounds for boasting that God honors from any deliverance of future judgment. Jeremiah reveals the boasting of Yahweh that he does not honor. Jeremiah here reveals the boasting that God does honor. And then Jeremiah reveals that boasting apart from Yahweh ends up in dishonor. Nothing new. The principles are there, guys. We have to pay heed. Let's be wise in our own conceit to our own destruction. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating from our series in the book of Jeremiah, the simple truth from 1 Corinthians. 
Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. With the few minutes remaining, let me just mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled The Only Legitimate Bragging Rights are available on CD for only $4. And we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last we were together as well. Once again, that title, The Only Legitimate Bragging Rights. Request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And we hope you'll join us again soon for more Simple Truths right here with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 